Casey, though, like you can imagine sitting there eating like sashimi with her listening to Colby Calais. It's like a vibe, dude. What just happened, Dylan? What what just happened right there? That was an incredible take from you. That was so weird. <laughs> Colby Calais and sashimi. That was so specific. Oh. I'm trying not to breathe into my microphone, so I'm holding my breath more, and I think it's making me loopy. California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens. Guys, it's still season three. I know, <sighs> right? It feels like we've been here forever already. <laughs> this is officially oh. week two of season three. My name is Ryan Drake, coming to you from a wet and dark and stormy and humid Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, joined as always. Uh, by my least favorite person on this podcast, and also in my city. I'm speaking, of course, of Daddy Dylan. Hello, Daddy Dylan. Yes. <laughs> you know, I um, I take umbrage with that, but mostly I take umbrage with how shady they make public schools look in these two episodes. <laughs> but we'll get into that in a second. But I do actually, yeah, yeah, great point. We'll get there. I'm sure we'll get there. Uh, sorry, I just like cut you off to make a point, then I stopped because I was like, actually, we'll probably talk about it at a better time in the episode. I'm sorry, Dylan. You didn't deserve that. You deserve a lot of bad things, but not that. Um, we are, of course, okay. joined by the heiress of Tulsa, the constipation queen. <laughs> Our pod mom, Chelsea Trinidad from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hello, Chelsea. I am never going to shake the constipation clean thing. You literally posted never it gonna on TikTok. Never going to live it down. You did it yourself. I know. I, I have good, I whatever, I have a good sense of humor. I don't I don't mind a little potty humor. <laughs> Everyone goes through it. Potty humor. They're like, huh. I have great bowels. It, it's something that we can all relate to at one time or another, so I am You were fine. in scat. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. oh, God. Oh, no. Don't do this, Dylan. <laughs> Full circle. I wish I could tell my 17-year-old self how much we'd be talking about that silly little club I was in. Hey, real quickly, I didn't I didn't plan on talking about this, but now that it's been sort of brought up, this <laughs> this level of what we're talking about, um, we're recording this in uh, like late July, and uh, the Olympics just Great started. Chips. Mazel tov. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that Woodstock 99 documentary just dropped on HBO Max, and I watched it last mm-hmm. night. And it does a really good job of explaining what I don't think I explained well enough in these two episodes that we talked about the Marissa and Trey stuff from season two. Mm-hmm. Just about the level of like toxic masculinity that was running rampant in the late 90s and the early 2000s and like how this all kind of culminated at Woodstock 99 in particular. Um, it's actually yeah. really, really good. Like I re- very much recommend the documentary to anyone who's interested in that or the music that we talked about in our uh, MTV <laughs> episodes. A lot of, lot of Kid Rock, Limp Bizkit going on in that documentary it's really good it's also a lot of nudity but um just shout out to that it's very good i'm excited to watch it thank you for the recommendation yeah lots um, of angry dudes lots of angry <laughs> white dudes there's just such a cringy scene that i'm shocked at how much how much good footage they have from what's like 99 because you don't no one had cell phones then uh-huh. which is mm-hmm. insane to think about but there's a very cringe scene where dmx is up on stage and he's doing a call and response thing and he's playing one, one of his most popular songs is called my n-word and he's holding the mic out to the crowd, trying to get them to sing it back to him. And it's just a hundred thousand white guys screaming the N word back at him. That's what he wanted. They'd make a point to to bring it up in the documentary, but it's just like 
the level of entitlement, oh, the level of entitlement that these guys have is is just insane. Anyway, I'm sorry to start the pod on a weird note. Let's get into these episodes, shall we? I think if for whatever, even if I was just singing a song, if, if I, my voice ever went to vocalize those words, it would just like completely reboot my computer. It'd be like holding down the, the start button until I just turned off and like collapsed yeah. on the floor. Chelsea.exe like has stopped working. The universe has held an intervention. <laughs> We get it, Chelsea. No, You're I'm not just saying, racist. Like, whatever... We get it. You no. believe in CRT. We get it. <laughs> oh my God. No. I mean, like, whatever you're what I'm singing, like, okay, Gold Digger is the worst. I loved when they did Gold Digger on Glee because you obviously, the as soon as he starts, because like Will, the teacher, is the one singing it. And it's like, as soon as he starts singing it, you're like, oh God, what are they going to do here? I feel yeah. like if Edmund, Oklahoma were somehow a show, it would be Glee. Are we doing, um, are we going to keeping up with the Schusters next? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to create a, a Wrigley. Oh my goodness. I'm going to create a podcast that is so toxic. (laughs) I have so many opinions on Glee that just never need to be out in the word. Keeping up with Sue Sylvester would be a great show. (laughs) All right. Let's get into a non-great show, which is season three of the OC. I'm sorry. I can't stop saying it. Um, this is not a great season, but we, but we are doing it for you. I these two episodes are pretty good actually i really like the second one a lot yeah Um, i loved it so let's get into it starting with episode three of season three the end of innocence the end of innocence features sandy cohen on screen for six minutes and 51 seconds dylan tell us more about this weird virginity episode the end of innocence took place on september 22nd 2005 and 6.45 million people were standing outside of the love shack watching ryan and marissa it was written by Stephanie Savage. And I want to talk to you all about it. So I got, hang on, I just want to correct myself. It wasn't virginity because we know that Ryan lost his virginity a long time ago. Marissa lost hers to Luke. So I take that back. It's their virginity to each other. Yeah, there you go. It's always the first time with someone new. Mm. So (laughs) I didn't do anything fancy, like separate this into different character arcs. I just went straight through the episode with my computer out as I was watching it at lunch today. So... Here we go. The end of innocence. We start out in the diner where Seth and Summer are hanging out with public school kids, Ryan and Marissa. Seth, as usual, brings up how bad this will be for him and starts hitting all the bullying highlights, including, but not limited to, having his shoes peed in and having his butt cheeks (laughs) taped together. Summer brings up the fact that... Those things um, never happened to him. Yeah, I, and first of all, I want to know like what macho like post Woodstock '99 dude is like. <laughs> I have an idea. Let's, Let's tape, tape that nerd's butt, butt cheeks, cheeks together. together. What does that even so mean? So he can't poop. It's like, come on, dude. Constipation isn't a joke. That feels like so- <laughs> that feels like something that would be easy to um, undo. I guess. Yeah. Well, it takes again, a lot more work is- to do it than what the actual like what you're actually accomplishing. This is Josh Schwartz uh, shouting out the 80s again because that's what happens in The Breakfast Club and is why Emilio Estevez gets sent to detention because whenever they ripped off the duct tape, it took off the kid's skin. So we actually got pretty injured by it. This is why you are the most valuable asset to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Why, thank you. And just as a a side note, um, if you're ever using uh, shipping tape, which doesn't appear to be that sticky, and you are working on a balloon installation, you put a little bit on your lip because you think that's a safe place uh, because your hands are occupied, and then you go to rip it off, it will rip the shit out of your skin. Chelsea, first of all, I I thought you were about to give tips on how to tape butt cheeks together. Secondly... (laughs) Um, mm. you 
put tape on your own lip as a place to just hold the tape? Yeah, I don't know why I didn't put it on my shirt. I put That's it on my an mouth. That's insane. So that, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to say it, Chelsea. You kind of deserved it at that point. <laughs> well, um, I healed okay, so I'm down with that. No one went to detention. We're fine. Okay. Well, um, I see you and raise you. When I was in AP US history, I got bored, licked my lips, took a piece of paper, and stuck it in my mouth and closed my lips for about 15 minutes. And then when I took it out, I ripped both my upper and lower lips off. And all the girls laughed at me because I was <laughs> bleeding everywhere. So again, don't go to public school, kids. Be tutored <laughs> privately or go to a nice private school in Southern California. All, all of us went to public school, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went to I like a private public school, though. I went to the most public school, I think, of everyone. Yeah, you did. Yeah, Shout out to Lon. I'm Johnny. <laughs> Um, so Summer brings up the fact that as bad as things might be, since Ryan and Marissa aren't going to be together anymore physically, um, they'll have each other and they'll be fine as long as they stick together, which always works out so well. So we meet up with Sandy. He's on the phone discussing something that quote unquote, isn't his usual job. We still have no idea what his actual job is. Anything is not his usual job at this point. Yeah. It turns out that he actually has been keeping busy, uh, trying to keep the Newport group afloat while Kirsten is in rehab slash at camp bad Charlotte credit to Ryan Drake (laughs) for that joke. I know where my, I know how my bread is buttered. I know who butters it. Um, so Sandy hits Ryan with some sage wisdom that I think we've been screaming into microphones since last november he says quote you've got to stop thinking about marissa cooper and start thinking about yourself the real question is is ryan going to take this advice no but it moves the plot forward um so we had this really kind of cool parallel we moved from the yin to the yang and now we're with julie and marissa julie name drops caitlin which i always love she tells marissa that um she has the potential to get in yeah, to get into Caitlin's boarding school. So that would be awesome. Caitlin would be bribed to stay quiet. Marissa, of course, pushes back on this. Um, I think it could have potentially yielded just an amazing Gossip Girl-esque OC crossover. Um, but don't worry. Everything seems to be going well. But Tate Donovan and his Achilles wallet are going to come and make sure everything <laughs> else is screwed up. So in walks can we Tate. Say that Mar- can we say that Ryan has an Achilles Marissa? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> It's the entire the Achilles Marissa. Um, and so speaking of Achilles, our tragic hero, Tate, arrives on the scene sporting his earpiece. So, you know, he means business. That was a Phase large one. headset. Yeah. He was like he he was talking to someone like across the world on it. I actually had a headset like that, so I can't hate on it too much. I just pushed back on myself. Um, but so he has I a think, plan. Can I just say I think that guy's name we called him Steve last week. In the show, they never say his name, but he is listed as being named Don. Oh, but not he spelled like the same Don. way as Ryan's name. As Ryan's mom, I'm sorry. Not spelled the same way as Ryan's not mom. Not Don, but Don. Don D-O-N. It's, it's Don. I've been pronouncing it Don. Just like Mad Men, there's Don and Don. He was like Don the Lone Shark. But um, <laughs> what I thought was kind of interesting was that last week I said he gave me Roy from The Office Energy. Mm-hmm. Turns out that actor played one of Jim's brothers on The Office. Nuh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Whenever he goes, whenever they meet Pan for the first time, he's one of the, the rude oh, brothers. Nice. Man. So basically that guy just gave me like Pam energy more than anything else. <laughs> so Tate shows up. Phase one, he's going to apologize to Sandy for everything that's been going on. Phase two, of course, Tate needs help because 
all lawyers in California somehow secretly know one another, Tate wants Sandy to do him a favor and see if he can do anything to speed along the will reading process. And I don't know about you all, but at this point, man, a whole lot of emphasis is being placed on this will. It'd sure be a shame if things didn't work out the way Tate and Julie were hoping. How are we ever going to find out? I don't know. Let's keep discussing the episode. So back at school, Seth is talking about... I think that you wrote that out completely, right? Like you wrote that whole... Okay. Oh, dude, a hundred percent. I'm not an I'm not an improv comic. I'm okay, a sketch comic. Right. You're no Adam. You're no Adam. <laughs> so yeah, no way. So back at school, Seth is talking about butt stuff. Big buff sophomores have already given him a wedgie. Uh, cruel Dean tensions guilts Seth and Summer to act as stagehands with the drama club's production of South Pacific. They reluctantly agree, but not before Summer first lists off things she'd rather do than be a stagehand, including. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Join the synchronized swim team, do rhythmic gymnastics, shot put, collect stamps, march for women's rights, free animals from laboratories, read comic books with her boyfriend in his whack pack. It's unclear if, like, she's listing off things she hates or things that she would, like, legitimately rather do. Well, she does because- She does at least two of those things in yeah, season four. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I, don't, I don't know whether it was random or if it was planned that she was going to go on to release animals from a lab. Also, yeah. this would make her, I think, our greatest Olympian if she accomplished all of these things. Yeah, I like to think true. that she did in season five. Also, she looked great here. Like, I don't know why there was she did anything different, but like Rachel Bilson was killing it here. She looked super. I hot. know why. It's because she had the apparel outfit of the episode on. <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> hang on. Before I forget, this... before I forget, oh. Chelsea, I want to just say now. I'm not going to ask you to tell me yet, but like the second episode that we're covering today had, in my opinion the absolute worst fashion moment of this entire series. And I'm curious if it was also your fashion moment. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh so we'll get there. Okay. I have well, my fashion moment of the next episode. Okay. Well, I'm going to be real, and it looks like I forgot to pick an outfit of the episode, so Ryan's outfit will be the no, choice. No. Can't, no. Don't, okay, fine. You know what? We'll argue, we'll argue about it 20 minutes from now. I can't believe I forgot. To, I, I'm sorry. It's been a day. Like That's I said, okay. my, my grocery sack fell out from under me. Um, but no, she's wearing this amazing turquoise dress. It's like very boho. The only thing that it made me wonder about is like, does the school not have a dress code? Because it was like a spaghetti strap dress. Like we weren't allowed to wear those jinx were you guys allowed to wear those at your schools were we allowed to wear spaghetti strap dresses um no we weren't yeah um it was the two it was the two finger rule oh yeah we had mm-hmm. that too we had that as well we it's had three about, fingers at jeans oh three fingers oh, we, we excuse had the me. two finger rule which sounds disgusting as an adult um <laughs> but we also had like, what was it like hands at the sides of your legs that's how long your dress or your, your skirt your had to skirt, be yeah. yeah yeah but if you like rolled your shoulders back and stood up really tall you'd get you'd get an extra two oh, inches yeah. back Oh yeah, I uh, I see you and raise you. My freshman year, um, there was a lot of issues with guns being brought to school and weapons. Wow! So our dress code was you really everyone, did go to the most public school. Everyone yeah, had to tuck villain. in their shirts, and so I spent an entire year dressing exactly like Eric Forbin from that '70s show. <laughs> it was awesome. Everyone it was when to I had, tuck in their shirts. Yeah. Oh my god! What a nightmare. Yeah, it was. I was it was too bad. fat for that. Um. <laughs> I did get suspended once in high school for bringing fireworks to school and they oh, like because they classified you. them like as weapons. So I got suspended for bringing weapons to school. Have I have I told the story in this podcast that I've only gotten in trouble for dress code twice and both times it was because I was breaking the girls dress code. That's hilarious. Boy, that's on brand. 
yeah, that it was, is on brand. It was the All American Rejects era of skinny white dude clothes, mm-hmm. and I had all my shirts were too short, and I would raise my hand in class, and you would see my belly Mid-dress? button. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> It was bad. One time I, okay, one time I was, because I used to go to the mall every weekend, as we discussed, and I used to love, like, those novelty graphic t-shirts, and I didn't know what this meant. I truly did not know what this meant when I bought the shirt. I just thought it was a funny shirt. I thought the, the design and the graphic was funny. Also, the words were funny, and the the shirt said, save a tree, eat a beaver, and I wore that. <laughs> And I wore that to high school, and they and they were like, they had to turn it inside out. And I still, it took me a while to figure out what it meant. My mom didn't even know what it meant. No! Oh my god! I, have I uh, like all cringes. Oh yeah. I I had a um a shirt, one of those Abercrombie and Fitch graphic tees that had like a fake restaurant or something because I was like making fun of Chinese food places. But mm-hmm. then on the bottom it said liquor in the front, poker in the back. Oh my god. Got in trouble for that one too. I think the worst that I ever got in trouble at school, and it's really funny because I used to skip class all the time. I used to drive off campus for lunch. Um, so one time they made me change my jeans because there was a hole in them. Like that's some horrible sign of disrespect. And I had vitamins in my pocket. So I had to leave <laughs> the jeans at the office and like all of these pills like roll out of my pockets. So they know who I am, obviously. I'm like literally like class officer, like oh, president of every club. So they knew that I wasn't here. like strung out, but they still made me come in and like do their little version of a, you know, you get pulled over and they make you do a sobriety test. I like walked in a straight line and like <laughs> recited the alphabet backwards. Um, but I guess at, the, at that time, so many of my dress code violations had accumulated that they gave me 32 hours of detention in one wow. swoop. So I'm like, I'm looking at the principal and I'm like, okay, does Mrs. Thorne, like, when am I going to have time to do this? You know, I have a zero hour, you know, I have track after school. Like, there's just no logistical time I can come do this. Do you like, know who I am, Mrs. Thorne? Yeah, it was it was one of those situations. I was like, I don't mean to be a brat, but I'm going to be a total brat right now. Um, and she basically was like, eh, she kind of has a point. So she let me do like a couple days of community service and just like called it a day. We dedicate this nice. episode to you, Principal Thorne. Um, thank to, you for to this. nepotism. Ne- thank you, nepotism. Thank you for uh, joining us in Chelsea's Trauma Corner this week. Um, we're going to go back, speaking of trauma, and talk about everyone's <sighs> favorite golden boy. We're going to talk about Tate Donovan. Um, oh. So Tate is giving away one of his tells. Um, he's being very affectionate and public. He's trying to convince Julie to get married. And she's like, you already told me you already proposed. And he's like, no, I literally mean, let's get married right now. Let's do it. It's going to be great. So we now know that things are getting very bad. He wants to run away uh, from his problems again. This time he wants to take Julie. Um, He wants to get married immediately, stock up the boat and go to Hawaii. Uh, Not a good thing. Things are getting worse for Tate. um, But we leave tate well hang on i have, we... I have thoughts here i have thoughts okay here. so this is where this could i mean this kind of spirals into like bigger <laughs> big brain like bigger picture stuff but like <laughs> um first of all the just how quickly my, my first thought was like how it, it's crazy how quickly julie and now tate are making these decisions like let's send her to boarding school like okay and then she's like no like okay well let's just move to hawaii and it's like okay but like there's no thought put into this and it's it seems very unrealistic because i don't think most adults would just make these jump decisions so quickly. Um, but then that led me to think about 
just the adults in this show in general are the biggest problem. Like they are the reason that the kids are having such a fucked up time. When you yeah. think yeah, about true. Julie and Tate, who I think is the worst right now, like Tate's the most offensive offender on the show right now. Tate is such a disappointment. Uh, yeah. So you think Julie and yeah. Tate and uh, the Dean, like these are adults that are causing all of this drama and trauma within the kids group and it's just like i was like damn i I feel bad for the kids i never really felt that bad for the kids but now i do oh fucking tate i feel i feel like um tyra banks when she's like we believed in you we all believed in you we were rooting for you we were rooting for you oh my god you're gonna have to do the buzzer noise on your edit uh tyra tyra just interviewed uh megan the stallion in a hot tub it's a great interview have you guys read anything about this megan the stallion the baby drama do we okay we don't have time for megan the stallion the baby drama dylan we that's where chelsea she do what she's talking about i'd let it go but i know you don't so let's just move on i I just read it on my phone and so i know it's true it'll be a bonus episode so back at (laughs) camp bad charlotte sandy has made a surprise (laughs) visit to tell kirsten (laughs) that they're reading caleb's will Kirsten Waffles gives Sandy some Charlotte psychobabble. Sandy sees right through it at first. Good use of psychobabble. Thank you. But then he like, he does nothing about it. Instead, he's like, whatever. And then he embraces Kiki just in time to see either a ghost or Charlotte escaping after eavesdropping. Not really sure what. Still don't know what Charlotte's plan is, but I'm sure we'll find out. We're going to tangle up in Charlotte's web. Oh, that's <laughs> not- it's it's a weird web and it's full of really really hot young Lance looking guys. Um, so, so two tickets. That guy, no, that guy was hot. That guy didn't look like Lance. That guy was hot. He was. Yeah. I called him Young Lance in my notes. Mm-mm. Wait, wait. I have a question though because at this point, do we know for sure that Charlotte's up to no good, or do we not know at this? I guess we do because we saw her smile. It's heavily implied by their like choices of how they're presenting her it's implied okay. like some shit's going on but it, up to this point we don't know for sure she has okay. too much well, of the I guess, board I guess in the, her. Only, the biggest tell was whenever she was like oh I almost drank and then after Kirsten leaves she like smiles and then drinks so I guess that mm-hmm. that's like the first concrete evidence we have mm-hmm. so uh, two tickets to Mactown, please. Marissa and Ryan are playing tongue operation and are rudely interrupted by Julie <laughs> they should have named the Apple stores Mactown. Town. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Julie knocks on the door, startles Ryan, and he is so startled, he has a raging boner, and he has to, like, jump and hop out of the room like a bird. That's the only reason why I think he had to hop out like a bird. He's, like, putting his pants, he's, like, in the middle of putting his pants back on, I think. His pants, I I rewound it, I think his pants are completely up. The only (laughs) excuse is that he had such a raging boner that he had to hop out like a bird. That doesn't make Um, sense, you can, boners don't make you jump. Maybe his foot was asleep. Um, So once Ryan is clear. I don't know what Chelsea said, like you dropped out, but it looked like you said something very insightful. (laughs) I said maybe his foot was asleep. Maybe his foot was asleep, Dylan. (laughs) Yep. I think he had a boner so big that he had to hop out like a bird. <laughs> so once Ryan is clear, Marissa lets Julie in and is told of the new family plan. We're going to Hawaii. We're staying in Hawaii. We're going to get a fresh start. She says, and I think she meant, she says the, the place in Hawaii is called Kauai, right? Yeah, that's the northernmost mm-hmm. island. She called it Kauai, like the Japanese, like, cutesy word. After the wedding on Saturday, the Coopers are moving to Kauai. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, Make it's sure to Kauai, pack your but it, it reminded me of that Avril Lavigne song. Have you heard that the Hello Kitty song by Avril Lavigne? No, I'm not a weeb. Uh, sounds like some cultural appropriation to me. So it's so cringe. I'm going to put a clip of it here. Anyway.
having heard that clip, now that I'm listening to this in the shower, you're right. That was pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marissa obviously is not super excited about it because if she goes to Hawaii, I mean, aloha relationship with Ryan. Am I right? So Ryan and Seth are making breakfast and talking shop. Seth wants Ryan to become a nut farmer. Ryan is more interested in having Marissa move in with him, where he would undoubtedly be frequently farming a different kind of nut. Since Kirsten is still MIAA, Ryan Ryan has to convince Sandy that this is a good idea. It's not like Sandy has a lot on his plate already. Um, Summer and Marissa are having a much healthier conversation about her leaving, in my opinion. Marissa admits that going to Hawaii isn't a totally terrible idea because her family would stay together. Um, I think this is like legitimately the first non-selfish thing that Marissa has done, and I'm kind of proud of her. So Yeah, gonna- I'm really proud of Marissa in these moments, too, and I'm so disappointed in Ryan. His yeah. attachment issues, like, God. Yeah, it's like no wonder his family left him. Come on. Oh, my God. So flash cut to the harbor where we see Tate demonstrating yet again the inverse corollary between his success as a businessman and his level of desperate horniness. Julie leaves and Tate's intense gum chewing loan shark buddy reminds him that this is Tate's last option. There is legitimately nothing that could go wrong at this point because there is going to be money when the will is read. So don't worry about it, guys. So now we have Sandy versus Ryan. It's not quite as impressive as Seth versus Sandy um, in the season two premiere, but it's still pretty interesting. So who's going to win this fight? Who's going to win? I didn't like this. You, know, you can say what happens, and I'll tell you why I didn't like it. Okay, it turns out Sandy completely forgot that he said to he said to Ryan that he and Marissa should spend um, less time together, mm-hmm. even though Ryan just gets up and leaves while Sandy is still in the middle of talking to him. It sounds like Sandy might be into having Marissa move in with the Coens. Well, he says, he said, Ryan says to Sandy, you and I are both here because somebody gave us a break, and Marissa needs that now. And I was like, you could say that, to him about anyone on this show in any situation, right? Like, yeah, that bothered me. Like, Marissa has had lots of trauma, but she's also lived a very privileged life. But also, it's like, Ryan could use that in any situation. I just didn't like that he said it said that to him, because I was like, why didn't you say this when, like, literally any other thing in the show was happening? You could have been like, well, everyone needs a break, right, Sandy? And he's, like, using it against him almost. Yeah, I didn't like that. I don't know. It's just, it's just so absurd. Also, I do want to say that, like, you, what Dylan just said something about Marissa and, like, you just talking about her privileged life. But, like, I, I, I've been, I watched these two episodes from in a bit of a different lens, thinking about the adults and how fucked up these adults are. That, like, I feel bad for Marissa. Like, I feel like she doesn't, she hasn't brought this on herself as much as I think the show or people remember the show. Like, I feel like I definitely remembered. Marissa brings a lot of this on herself. She's too dramatic. She's too crazy. But now I'm watching it again going like, I feel really bad for her. She's like just reacting to the, to the environment around her. Yeah. No, it's true. And I think about that. And I even think about Oliver. Like, I, I mean, I think I've told you this as a girl. Like, I've been in those situations before where there's just like a kind of loner dude who, for whatever reason, kind of zeroes in on you. And you, it's a delicate thing because you don't want to lead him on. But you also are like trying to be friendly and trying to be a good human to another human who needs a connection. So Mm -hmm. I get it. 
Well, as Ryan leaves, um, almost as if on cue, uh, Kirsten calls. She is coming to the will reading, but she's not sure if she's going to stay at home, which I don't like this whole subplot where she's like toying with the idea of I might come home and be with my family or I might not. Mm -hmm. Um, Bad Charlotte appears with a tea set that I'm sure is empty and tries to throw Kirsten off her game a little bit. At this point, we're still completely unaware of what her actual end game is or if she even has one, Uh, but that doesn't matter because everyone it's theater time enter taylor townsend bossing summer around as she's trying to set off Chekhov's cabana i now know why ryan is such a big fan she's really good at bossing people around oh my god i, I love taylor that. Oh god she's just she's so perfect i just want to say that she not unlike summer who i think is our other favorite starts off on a little bit of a wrong foot but eventually course corrects into being the best so while Taylor is haranguing Summer, she's also giving eyes to cruel dentations and pounding Fiji water. Taylor starts. Oh my mocking god! She s- drank that water in such a perfect <laughs> way. It's such a perfect, like Mean Girls almost like clueless way. I loved it. Yes. So <laughs> while she's only doing that, you guys that, would notice how a girl drinks the water. She did it in a very attractive way. The only time I've ever noticed anyone drink water before is like when Donald Trump did that weird thing where he kind of held it like a... Oh, yeah, State of the Union address. Yeah. Where he like... It was, he all, like, it was, he it like, was like a oh, no, no, I'm thinking of... Uh, I think it was Marco, Ted... Was it Ted Cruz or Marco, Marco Rubio? Rubio. That, Marco Rubio was the one that I was thinking of. Whenever he gave the counter to the State of the Union for Barack Obama's State of the Union. And he just, I love like, that there's a it. counter... Yeah. No, Donald Trump held it weird, too. It was almost like if he told a dog to pick something up and they didn't have opposable thumbs, so he kind of took both hands and, like... Well, he explained it. He explained it that he holds it that way so he didn't spill it on his tie. (laughs) I didn't realize that that required two hands. Yeah, I've managed to never spill water on my tie before, and I drink it like a normal person. I want to so give a anyway. shout. So you just said tie, it reminded me that of this episode that Sandy is wearing uh, an outfit that I did not like as well. The tie <laughs> with the shirt combo was bad. It was like mm-hmm. the light blue shirt, but with like, the light blue and white tie, and I just it, it was bad. I think that the tie should always be darker than the shirt. That's just my own opinion, um, and his was not. Um, but also Seth's like it was like a sweater polo, but I was kind of into it. It looked good. So to recap, Taylor is giving eyes to hot Dean. She's pounding a Fiji water. Is the Dean is not? Is the Dean hot, Chelsea? No. Okay. No, thank he you. was hot. In, he was hot in Cruel Intentions, but he's not mm. hot here. I don't hot, like his hair hot color. Hot Dean is just easier to say than Cruel Dean Tensions. <laughs> you could just say the Dean. Now I'm going to say hot Dean. So she is completely um, <laughs> hydrated, and so she uses that newfound power to start mocking Seth. Summer gets mad, calls her a skank. Mm. Taylor starts crying. Hot Dean comes over. It's a whole thing. Okay. So we briefly go back to the pool house. Marissa is not too hype about moving in with Ryan. She's still stuck on the whole uh, real family thing. She runs off, leaving nothing but like default skin Ryan and his wife beater to harvest his own macadamia nuts. It's a sad thing. The next morning, (laughs) Seth and Sandy convince him to do something special for Marissa before she leaves. I wonder what it's going to be. Let's find out. Yeah, maybe. Well, this was this is very thoughtful of them. Like it was very very sweet, um, but it's a little bit like I I, I don't know. Seth, Seth and Summer would have to be like, hey, our best friends haven't had sex yet. Let's give them a gift. And I I, I don't know. What do you guys think? It's the fantasy suite, like in The Bachelor. Yeah. What happens in there? Eh, but, sometimes but, they have sex. Sometimes yeah, they don't have there, sex. Though? Sometimes I mean, they come sleep. on. It, it was a place to hang out. It was a romantic place to hang out overnight that had a bed That's in it. That's a great it. point, actually. Like, now I that you've said that, it's a really you know. good point. It's like, hey, Super Ryan, awesome. here's, here's, here's some bread. Here's some peanut butter. Here's some jelly. 
but I mean, don't necessarily make a sandwich. It's like they're going to go into the shack and do things that you should wait for marriage to do. Um, but so <laughs> Dylan, let's, let's especially. About, let's yeah, really. Let's In talk fact, about, when he conceived his child, might have been the only time aside from his wedding night. Hey, I've done it once. <laughs> all I need. Mazel tov. Thank you. So uh, Bad Charlotte is being bad, uh, trying to get her hooks into Kirsten right before she goes to the will signing. Not a whole lot to say here. The seed is planted. That seed grows later. I just know that Charlotte needs to go away. Mm-hmm. So, um, Seth Have we gotten yeah. to the point yet where she pulls out the portrait of Kirsten and her fam- the all the Cohen family out of Not her yet. bag? That's, that's coming, and it's <sighs> creepy. Um, Seth and Summer are busy painting the set, despite the fact Summer has no artistic tendencies. Could they have been painting the ceiling, do you think? I think that Seth paints the ceiling. I don't know what Summer does. Okay. There's there's no telling at this point. A lot of painting in this show. There really is. That's what the show's about. Paint so, the silence, paint the shack, paint the ceiling. <laughs> so they've figured out, they've put their heads together, if you will, and they figured out the perfect romantic gesture for Marissa, but... It won't be easy. So Black Ops, uh, synchronized watches, 2100 hours, classic Seth and Summer banter. It's adorable. But something important is about to happen that in no way, shape, or form will ruin the plans that Julie and Tate have. It's time to read the will. Everyone looks great. Tate looks great. Other lawyer looks great. It's awesome. Caleb intended to split his fortune between his daughters which is kind of a shout out to Haley. That's cool. And, his and wife. Lindsay. And Lindsay. No one, yeah. What happened to that's, her? Oh. That's true. So, I mean, that means she's, she is getting uh, no money as well because, uh-oh, everyone, he was broke. There's mortgages. There's high interest loans. It's not a good situation. But, hey, at least Kirsten got a personal letter. We can see that Tate's black bile is officially out of balance. Kirsten is not super excited about the letter. She's gone full Charlotte brainwash, and she just straight up leaves. She doesn't say goodbye. She locks Sandy out as she's driven away in a black sedan. It's really dramatic, and I just don't like the Charlotte storyline, and I don't know if you guys can tell. Um, So at one point in this podcast, or maybe like five points if I'm the one that brought it up because I forget what I say, um, we discussed that like 90% of the OC is people walking in on other people packing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and what do you know? Ryan walks in on Marissa packing for Hawaii. Are you talking about, you know about early in this episode when Julie walked in on Ryan packing? Yeah, everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah, jeez. Yeah, poor guy had such a raging boner. He had to hop away like a bird. Um, so Marissa is obviously like hilariously not excited to go to the diner. Um, nothing says last night in Newport like chili cheese fries and black and white milkshakes before a journey to Hawaii by boat. So I kind of understand why she wouldn't be excited about that. Um, but before we continue with this little romantic rendezvous that may or may not be at the diner, um, we're going to go back to that Newport restaurant that isn't McDonald's or Donnie's Crab Shack. It's so, the Yacht Club. Yes, I so lo- the, we learned the that in the next yacht- episode. It's mm-hmm. called the um, Newport, yacht, Newport Club. yacht Club. Okay, so at the Redneck Yacht Club, Julie is totally fine about everything because Tate makes her feel safe. Tate, on the other hand, looks like he's losing his mind. He's kind of in that standard... Season one, Tate Donovan, I'm about to get power washed by hubris mode. Um, He gets a call. He poops his pants a little. He tells Julie he'll see her tomorrow for the wedding because it's bad luck for the bride and groom to be with each other the night before, see each other the night before. I don't know, some, some weird, creepy old wives tale stuff. So... Moving from one dramatic adult storyline to another. It's a creepy old wives tale to Dylan because Leslie didn't want to see him the night before the wedding. 
Yeah, it was really weird. She didn't want to see me for like the first week. I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> so Sandy calls to see if Kirsten has arrived uh, back at Camp Bad Charlotte. She hasn't. Uh, Charlotte hits him with some knowledge, hangs up, and stares menacingly just out of frame while holding an unlit cigarette. I hate Charlotte. She sucks. Uh, she um, She like... She was trying to poke at Sandy. I think she said something like, "You know, she really didn't even want to go, but she felt like she was just doing it for you." And Sandy, and I was, I don't, I didn't remember. I was expecting Sandy to fire back and be like, "Hey, fuck you for getting too involved." And he just goes, "Well, let me know if you hear anything." <laughs> I would love so much if they used like their one f bomb at at some point in the OC and just had Sandy say it. I feel like that would make that would make season three the best season of any show ever. But alas, we have this instead. But wait, I think that on um like the you know the major prime times you're not allowed to say the F bomb only on you cable. Say, you can't say the F bomb on network television. Yeah, but on cable you can, but only once. So that's why in Breaking Bad they save it for my name is A Sock Schrader and you can go fuck yourself. Oh we have a Breaking Bad reference at the end of this. Go on. Then she says Whoa. I fucked Ted too. Yeah. Yeah. IFT, but it was a different season. Mm. IFT. IFT. Back at the diner, it's God Midnight, and Seth and Summer leave Ryan and Marissa because they know it's time for his coup de gras, a literal love shack. That's right. The shack from South Pacific that they hinted at at the beginning of the episode, it's playing a larger part now. But let's pause the romance for just a little bit more Tate drama. Um Tate is escaping the Tate escape. He looks absolutely <laughs> dashing in a baseball cap. He's headed for the boat to totally not abandon his family again. Unfortunately, Tate's intense gum chewing loan shark buddy works nights. He meets him on the pier in his leather jacket with two of the stuntmen from the Fast and Furious franchise. Tate gets in the car with them reluctantly. Wonder what's going to happen. I don't know. Let's go back to Bone Town. Things are getting hot and heavy, and Marissa suddenly gets up and says she has to go. LOL. She's just joking. That was Let's pretty get good. Down to that business. was pretty good. Yeah. You thought that was a funny joke? I thought it was kind of weird. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I feel... If it happened in real life, it would be very strange, but I think it was more, like, for us. Well, she just had, like, a sexual trauma, so, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a great... I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. That's also a great point. But I feel like that makes it almost worse, then, if she's then just, like, joking about it, like, you aren't even going to come after me? It's like, as Ryan, what would you be saying? Like, would you be like, oh, no, wait, was was she not ready for this what's going on and then she like mocks him for potentially being too in anyway that's Move what on, happens. Dylan. so there's a needle <laughs> drop some great music plays uh time to harvest some academia nuts now my favorite part of the episode is, is coming up it's montage time <clears throat> okay oh. so tate is getting his clock cleaned under the pier kirsten's relapsing marissa and ryan are not waiting until marriage sandy's trying to call kirsten tate's getting punch dunked over and over and over kirsten's staring at alcohol with the will um she <laughs> sorry kirsten's staring at alcohol with the will she won't um she intensity that we all love from kirsten it's a lot to take will in. she won't she intensity yeah, it's a lot to take in. I well, mean, and Tate is getting like swirled in the ocean. Like they are like, yeah, we're gonna punch him, then we're gonna hold him underwater for a while. Like that is he's intense. He's definitely getting his butt cheeks taped together by those guys. Um, so it's a new day, everyone. The mm. chirp of Marissa's cell phone interrupts the youthful postcoital glow, and it's Tate. Something's happened. Marissa rushes to his side on the boat, and he is not looking good. He's limping around like Richard III. Marissa is sad, but she has had it with his nonsense. She tells him he can leave, but if he does, he should never come back. I guess this is it. 
This is Tate's dramatic goodbye. I mean, for now. This was a a, a weird ending to this scene because Tate abandoned her last last season, mm-hmm. and it was. I mean, I guess because she's been there before. Like she kind of, she's like, I've fucking been here before. I've, you know, what's the Taylor Swift song? Um, I've seen this movie before and I didn't like the ending or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I expected her to be more upset than she was, I guess. But she basically like, no, I get it. Just don't come back. She's probably exhausted. And yeah. She does say later. She she does say later, like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed, essentially. But I'm like, that's your fucking dad. Like, you're allowed to emote over this. But she doesn't. Yeah. Really. Yeah, you're totally allowed to be emotional. She was so excited. It's horrible. Oh, so, so disappointed in him. Yeah, Tate, Tate truly has turned into the worst these last couple of episodes. Like, he's putting himself over everyone else in a way that we wish Ryan would. But he's putting himself over everyone else. And, like, he's so laser focused on this debt and this money thing that he's, like, leading Julie on and just leading. I mean, he's leading Julie and Marissa on. But um, it's the episode where he finally broke bad. He's willing to literally marry Julie, who I don't think he even really cares about. Like, I think that he cared about her a lot last season. But now I think he's just trying to get paid. Yeah. I mean, I will say, you know, for what it's worth, he did say to, you know, he gave Marissa the precious and was like, give this back to Julie. Let your mother well, no, I really did love her. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, believe, I don't believe anything he says now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can go to Hawaii. Um, so it's time for some more info on Charlotte. Finally. Uh, it turns out she was squatting with the permission of a lady who I can only assume is a librarian. Uh, she was supposed to have the lake house for two weeks. She did have Janine. Go- she had Janine from Ghostbusters energy. She really did. <laughs> Ghostbusters. The family's coming home. Yeah. So she was supposed to have the lake house for two weeks, but her check didn't clear, and the family who owns it is coming home early. So thanks to exposition, we know that she's hard up for cash. Wonder what that means. Charlotte says she's going to go get some cash, but she doesn't. She packs quickly, grabs the Chrismica picture, and leaves without paying. I don't think she's a good person, you all. Um, so there is some good to come out of this episode. Kirsten has returned. Uh, turns out she didn't drink. She just stared at it. Um, and she's ready to read the letter from her dad. Turns out it was an apology. Total Caleb mm-hmm. move. Uh, great quote from Kirsten. Of course, he had to be dead to say nice things. <laughs> I really like it. You know what's weird, though, um, is that like, this is, I would say of this entire sh- series or show, this entire series, that the two characters, the two most prominent characters that die are Caleb and Marissa, or, you know, spoiler alert for the, if they're later this season, but they both sent letters to someone that they didn't receive until after they died. Yeah. Which I think is strange. That's Who did Marissa writing. send a letter to? That's the best episode, the Chrismica episode of season four, whenever she, she Ryan gets a letter from her. I, I guess I forgot. And the, literally, I the, literally, the letter is, you should move on. I needed to leave. But it's like she was talking about leaving to go to like live with her dad or something. Yeah, she was going to be a, a like a boat attendant or something with him. Yeah, but he but it was like symbolism, closure. I have it now. So um, that was a really nice moment. But the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Marissa goes to see Julie on her wedding day or what was supposed to be her wedding day. Looks like both of them got tated. They're alone again. Uh, pretty nice moment if I, uh, you know. If, it if, broke if my I, heart. It, it was just yeah. heartbreaking. But that special moment with Marissa and her mom was amazing. Why did Caitlin not come to her own parents' met wedding? Uh, she, she's a boarding school. Also, it was pretty last minute. Like, I don't know if I would put any stock into this, but I don't know. Yeah. It's I actually would. pretty nice it's for being so last minute. It's not jail. It's not she had to get furloughed. Like she it's like she could come home for a weekend to be a Knowing what we know about Caitlin, I like to think that Caitlin said, Oh, my dad's back in town, he's marrying my mom immediately. Bullshit. Yeah. Oh, that's true. So um so we go from that incredibly poignant moment to a Seth and Summer moment. 
Uh, so they're returning the bespoiled love shack. Uh, Summer leaves to grab the tiki torches and boom, you just got Dean Cohen. Hot Dean emerges from the shadows in the same outfit he always wears and gives Seth one month of detention. Seth is given the chance to rat Summer out. He doesn't and gets another month of detention. I don't know how that works, but so he's got him for two months. Um, Ryan and Marissa are somehow back on that beach where things got weird in the first episode out of nowhere. Um, now canonically, I think that's the beach from old, um, the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, it's canon now. They kiss. Nothing matters. Seth and Ryan see that Kirsten... For it to literally be the beach of all, they would have to be old. Like, that doesn't make any sense. It does. It's canon now. Sorry, it's too late. I already (laughs) said it. Uh, And you can't edit it out. So Seth and Ryan see that Kirsten is back. It's a really kind of nice moment. Ryan hugs her first. I don't know know what to read into that. I noticed that, too. Like, Ryan's face lights up, and he walks over very, like, aggressively to give her a hug. And I think it kind of highlights their closeness. Really, this Mm -hmm. season, um, you see Kirsten. I mean, Sandy's always been such a mentor to Ryan, but Kirsten comes in when it comes to girl advice and that sort of thing. And I, I think that their relationship is something that I wish we got more of. Um, but I, for one, am happy. I'm so glad nothing else could possibly go wrong and that the bad Charlotte storyline is over. That's refreshing. In the words of Sandy Cohen, that's the great thing about this place. Nothing ever happens. And that is good ending. the end yeah. of Innocence. Ryan, what, was the music, what was the music moment? Uh, so there was a, there was a very quick inner, inner spliced moment where it was like an in-between shots um moment where they played gangsters and thugs by the transplants which was uh travis barker's other other side project with the guy from rancid and i used to really like the transplants a lot there wasn't like a big moment at the end of the episode with the music montage i thought there Um, was they played my baby blue and that's what i was saying the breaking bad reference because my baby blue is what they play at the very end of that series could be either pick your own Uh but that will get us into episode four of season three episode four is of course titled i almost said episode four is titled worst fashion moment no that's just my note episode four is titled the last waltz the last waltz features sandy cohen on screen for seven minutes and 12 seconds dylan tell me more take the date that i gave you at the top of last episode and add seven to it you get september 29th 2005 is when this episode originally aired 6.45 million people watched it John Stevens wrote it. Let's talk about it. All right. Before we start, Chelsea, you didn't have a fashion moment for this episode. Dylan, I'm assuming that you and I have the same thing in mind. Truly the uh, worst fashion I've ever seen on this show. Okay. And at the, time, at the this- time, it may have been okay. I don't think it was. I, As someone who was very much of the the age of the show and looked to, looked to the show as like a cool thing for music and clothes, even then, I was like, this is, he looks fucking terrible. Seth... It? With the suit and tie, with the dicky shorts, shorts. and the converse. But then when they go pick up Summer, when he's got the jacket buttoned and the collar flipped up, oh my God. It was atrocious. Well, but it made sense because he had a skateboard to go uh, stop Ryan. So he didn't have to. He didn't didn't even know he was going to do that before they left. He knew it was a beach party that he was going to. How did Summer let him leave the house in that outfit? It's unbelievable. It's so bad. I I actually had a different uh, outfit. I think my, I don't know if that was your least favorite or your favorite, but I was partial to the fact that Hot Dean was dressed literally exactly like Arthur the Anteater um, <laughs> at the end. So that was, that was mine. That's your fashion. That should be the fashion moment of the episode because you're totally that's right. Moment. I don't know. I, I think Seth uh, dressed as an extra in an Avril Lavigne video is up. It probably wins out. 
no it, it was so bad like it was see you later boy it wasn't even like a cool like suit look it was oversized the tie was too big the shirt was a gross yellow the jacket was a gross brown like he looked like he had it was like if dwight schrute was wearing <laughs> shorts dicky shorts and converse with uh, with his suit on top anyway oh, chelsea tell us more about this episode please <laughs> yeah so i broke it down by character so first let's dive right into probably the most interesting uh development of seer of this episode but the, the what's going on in marissa and ryan world Mm-hmm. the horror marissa has to go to public school mm. the core four drop her off and we are introduced to um the marissa's a new newport union life can we agree that they make this giant deal out of her going to public school but in all actuality i feel like newport beach public school would actually be pretty amazing yeah totally I mean, like when, you, when you come from like what we said, the privileged life of Marissa, it probably is a culture shock. Um, That's but true. just quickly, cat some casting notes here. First of all, um, I love the Foster sisters, Aaron and Sarah Foster, who are the daughters of David Foster, the musician who's now married to Catherine McPhee, who I believe is older than the daughters. I love them. I think they're so fucking funny, and they are very much like in that socialite elitist scene. They used to they had oh. a very short lived she had a very short lived show on VH1 that I thought was underratedly hilarious called Almost Famous. And that show is so fucking funny. It made me laugh every week it was on. It was only on for like eight weeks. But, um, before it and got that's canceled. Heather. That's the mean girl, right? I had no clue. I became a big fan of the Foster Sisters later in life. I had no idea that that was Aaron in the OC until like pretty recently because she looks completely different now. But she's, yeah, she's the girl who plays Heather, the mean girl from Newport Union. Also, uh, do you guys know about the story of Johnny Lewis who played Chili? No. No, I like Chili though. Yeah, okay, me so too. that actor was, I guess he was on Sons of Anarchy, which I've never seen. But I guess over the course of his time on that show, he had some injuries. This is all like just kind of what I gathered. So I'm not saying this is fact. What I do know is fact is that he in I want to say 2010 or 11 murdered his landlord who was an 80 year 81 year old woman he murdered her and then killed himself what what and a lot of people think is because he Chili's had head- a murderer well he's dead now but he killed himself uh, he like jumped off the roof of his house after he murdered this woman he also assaulted two people on his way in to murder her and so they called the police and uh the, what I read was the speculation was some of some of the injuries that he had um, accrued over the years led to him having like bad head trauma and maybe CTE that led to that. No, that happens this all the time. With, like whenever they study um, serial killers, they all had like a really bad bike accident or something like that. So they all have really bad head injury. Welcome to keeping up with the Coens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to Newport Union. Anyway, um, those so, were literally all the notes I had for that and Seth's clothing. So Chelsea, you can have the rest of it. Yeah. So right after, um, r- right after they drop off Marissa, it's almost like kind of. I mean, obviously it is the first day of school, but almost like when your parents drop you off and you're kind of nervous. So Ryan immediately goes home and asks Sandy if he can go to public school with Marissa. <laughs> and Sandy again lays down the hammer and he's like, "No, you need to prioritize your life. You need to put stuff besides Marissa first. We're all happy to see it. We're all happy that someone is holding Ryan accountable for his insane, like, white knight syndrome. Mm-hmm. So as we were saying, Marissa goes to school. Um, she doesn't get the warmest of welcomes, thanks to mean girl Heather. Uh, but almost immediately, she meets this other new crew of friends. And that uh, includes Casey, Johnny, and Chili. Question for you, Chelsea. I, if, knowing, I, if, you didn't know, if you didn't know anything else about Johnny, is he attractive? I guess I dated a guy who looked kind of... I don't like his hair. His hair... If he had short hair, I think I'd be more into him. He looks like every member of One Direction combined. Yeah! (laughs) 
I just, <laughs> oh, I hated that haircut so much, but so many guys in that era had it. It was just kind of too SEC long swoop. and soft. And no, it's not even SEC swoop. It's just, it was like kind of, I, I don't even know. It's, Did you call it long and soft? Yeah, long and soft. It's just <laughs> that was Ryan's. That was Ryan's problem in the previous episode. It yeah, is. He yeah. had like bangs. I just, oh, I'm not into it. Casey, on the other hand, though, I did not remember her being as gorgeous as she was. Really, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say the opposite. I was like, I thought I think I used wow. to like her, but now I just don't. And I was like, Casey and Johnny together are like not a good couple. Like I don't like them at all. I got really excited when we met these new characters. It gave me big energy when we got to meet um, just, Olivia Wilde just big and. Uh, Lindsay, you, you know it was fun. No, it was like I, it was too much. It was too many people. Like we just met Taylor. Taylor is good enough for this season. I just, we're, I'm still chasing the high that we got from seeing the crew all hang out with Anna and Luke. So I'm mm. like, oh man, there's okay. new fun characters. They even have a silly sidekick named Chili. I was pretty into it. Who at kills first. people? So the the new cast of kids invite Ryan to hang out after school, which I think is pretty cool. And she calls Ryan to ask him about it. Marissa. <laughs> Marissa. Um, and he, even though he's already dr- like driven to school and was there to pick her up, he pretends like he hasn't left yet because he wants to give Marissa some space in that moment. He's still not crazy, Ryan. He's like, okay, cool. You know, I think he understands if she will need to make friends if she's going to be able to attend school and it not just be a nightmare because she's just a kid in life. In life is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's um, never not funny. Every night is the worst night ever. Um, so Johnny actually Im- invites Marissa to go to the school dance with all of their friends. Um, so, okay, we never had, there's also a school dance happening with at, um, Harbor that we've never had before in previous years, right? Like they've never had the kickoff carnival, but then also immediately after that, a school dance. Well, the it's normally wintertime, yeah. like the, the snow seas. So two, two point, I think two things with that. I think maybe one, that could just be a new dance that Taylor came up with because she's social chair now slash summer. That's right. Um, but two, I did really like the line whenever they were talking about the dance and Marissa's is like, Oh, what's the theme? And I think it's Johnny that goes, I mean, high school gym. I really, I, I yeah, like that. He line. goes, chili will spike the punch. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was really sweet of them to invite her. And, um, do you think, course, it, okay. Do Heather you think in. that it was though? Like whenever they show up to her house later to like really gather her to be like, come on, you're coming with us. We're not taking no for an answer. I was like, you guys just met this girl. You met her once like four days ago. Like, why are they Charlotte now suddenly, vibes. why are they now suddenly so invested in her social life? No, I thought it was sweet though. I think that they could tell that she obviously didn't have anyone to connect with. So they were like, we're going to be those people. Like I always had a heart for that. Whenever there's a new girl at school, I always like invited them to sit with me the first day. And it was normally just the first day because then they went and found the real friends. But so I, I do have to say, and this is just for nostalgia purposes, but like whenever all of the public school kids showed up to Summer's just like opulent mansion, I got the biggest Macaulay Culkin, Richie Rich energy when all those kids from the baseball field show up to Richie Rich's house and they're all just like, whoa, this is awesome. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. just my note. So oh, doesn't he have like a Burger King in his house? A McDonald's. You and your guests deserve a break today. Master Richie was of the opinion that his young guests deserve a break today. 
Um, so anyways, what happens is Mean Girl Heather comes up in the middle of Johnny and Marissa's conversation and alludes to, you know, first of all, she pretends like she's nice and she's like, I just want to say sorry about yesterday. And Marissa's like, oh, it's cool. And then she alludes to, oh, glad you didn't shoot me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a good burn. It wasn't as good as Taylor's like gun pantomime in the previous. <laughs> that was a thousand times better. Um, but, be, but you know, obviously Marissa's upset. She runs away. Everyone in the hallway sees it. And Johnny goes out and kind of has a nice bonding moment. And I wrote, ugh, like this is what happens the entire rest of the season. Marissa's upset. She runs outside. Her and Johnny have a bonding moment. And of course, because it's perfect TV timing, Ryan drives up right then and sees them talking together and comes over and gets mad. Johnny sticks his hand out to shake it. And Ryan, like, doesn't even want to shake his hand. It's just such an awkward cringe. Like, I'm getting proximal cringes. What did you guys think about this scene? It's like everything that we hate about Ryan and kind of everything we hate about Johnny also. I loved it. The whole, just the the image of Marissa crying into a green fence is the (laughs) image that represents season three. Uh, Well, speaking of perfect TV timing, again, that's what happens after her friends get, her new friends get her to the dance. Ryan goes to like surprise her, but Seth kind of comes out of nowhere and is like, hey man, don't ruin this for Marissa. Marissa has to make friends. Seth and his weird outfit kind of spooks Ryan into thinking something could be wrong, even though he was trying to tell him like, oh, don't, don't, don't overthink it. And don't think that this could be the beginning of the end, basically. And that makes him think it's the beginning of the end. That's the worst. It's so weird. Like it it was such a bizarre, like plot device they wrote in to make Ryan like as Ryan's motivation. Um, But what I didn't understand was, and I still don't understand based on how this episode ends. Did Marissa see Ryan whenever he showed up to the, to the Harbor dance? I mean, to the, I'm sorry, to the Newport I Union think, dance. I don't think that she saw him, but I think that she had like a sixth sense that he was there. Well, there was a quick she flash s- of her looking over and seeing him walk away, but it wasn't clear she noticed it was actually him because it was just like barely his back that she saw. She smelled the leather. Yeah. Because then later on, whenever she shows up to the pool house, I it was implied she was like, I really wished you were there. And I was waiting. I thought that she was implying that like, I knew you were there. Maybe it was. That makes sense. And then she wanted to recreate that moment since they didn't get to go to a dance together to play forever young. I hated that. Two quick things related to Ryan going to the dance that I want to just bring up real quick. First of all, there's a really important bit of dialogue whenever Ryan um, and Seth show up at Summer's house and they find Marissa quote unquote sneaking off to get in the Bronco um, and go to the dance. And at one point, I had to I had subtitles on. It's the only reason I caught it. Um, I think Chili says he looks kind of mad, and then Johnny says, "Yeah, I think that's his look," and that describes Ryan absolutely perfectly. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, and maybe it was just more of a lockdown because it was Lawton, but I'm pretty sure that other kids that don't go to the school, if they're not invited, they can't just show up to a dance. That's how you start gang fights. Like, isn't that a rule? Well, and this Seth dance was in up? a high school gym, though, so we're not yeah, like, talking... Yeah, there's not, like, security guards outside. This seemed to be a pretty chill dance at a public school, remember? This is not like this is not like Fine. one of your little date parties, Dylan, <laughs> where you have to have a wristband. Very, very um, high security. Wristband ankle monitor party. So that kind of that kind of um, concludes what happened with Marissa and Ryan. Obviously, it's setting up a bunch of things that happened throughout the season. A bunch of things that we are all very um, lukewarm on. Luke. So. <laughs> oh, I miss him and his wife. Well, yeah, like you said, like he shows she shows up at the pool house at the end, and they have a moment where they dance to Forever Young, which was, of course, the music moment of this episode. Of the episode. Hate that montage though. Um, the other one's Seth- better. Where Tate's getting rocked. 
Seth and Summer. Um, so meanwhile, while all this is happening in a harbor, Summer is the new sh- social chair, and the Gregster is just hammering <laughs> Seth with tasks. Seth cannot have a moment to himself. He sits down to have a fancy latte in their in their school hangout area, and he gets slapped with another assignment. Um, Seth Toilets. is actually being really cool and non-selfish for once and, like, really takes the fall for Summer. Like, that's a little bit out of Seth's character, which I think is interesting. Okay, but this whole narrative of, like, Seth did something so brave by stepping up and taking the fall, it's like... Yeah, no. It's exactly what anyone would have done, I think. Like, all he did was prevent someone from getting in trouble. I don't think he really is taking on more than what he would have otherwise. I don't know. The whole thing was just weird. Everyone's like, oh my God. He's doing the bare minimum. Yeah, he's doing the absolute bare minimum. Yeah, that's very Um, true. Also, in this episode, I kind of noticed, and maybe this was just me, but the the Dean and Chili, they look very similar. They do. They both have like platinum blonde hair. It's kind of weird. They have the same face. Like the Bennett weird Bennett Cumberbatch face. Face family. Thank you, Chelsea. Um, so the, this episode is peppered with really, really fun Taylor and Summer uh, conversations. That's right. They are just coming for each other. Um, I think, (laughs) I think one of my favorite lines from their, uh, exchanges is, uh, Taylor calls herself a human quagmire. Great moment. The human quagmire, Taylor Townsend. We should refer to her as that from now on. Also, we haven't seen, we haven't seen Gidget yet. I'm assuming he shows up next week. Gidget and Quagmire. Um, so Giggity. eventually, you know, since he's torturing Seth, um, Summer comes clean about the Tiki Hut and gets revoked as social chair, even though she had already basically planned the entire dance. Taylor's a but genius Taylor tricked that. her into uh, admitting that so that Taylor could become social chair, which again, great, great move by Taylor. Also, yeah. It's not not quite in our in our good graces yet, but she will be soon. Yeah, sneaky AF, or I don't know, is is she sharky AF? I'm feeling it. She's sharky, and she's being manipulated. That's my that's my Seth Cohen did nothing wrong. Is that Taylor's being manipulated by the dean? All right, she can't help it. Kind of like Zach was manipulating. So yeah. uh, Taylor, obviously, this dance is such a big hit. Taylor takes full credit for it. Um, actually, she takes partial credit for it and gives the rest of the credit to none other than Dean Hess himself. Uh, and she ends yes. with the line that she, whenever she's giving the speech, she says, "Everybody have fun because this really is." The end of summer. God, it's so the good. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> that was so good. Like, Summer kept, like, trying to, like, get away from Seth. Like, I thought she would, like, they want us to believe that Summer was going to beat the shit out of Taylor if Seth wasn't holding I bu- her back. I believed yeah. it. There is, like, steam it. coming out of her ears. It's pretty awesome. Didn't Seth say he, he sent her to do a, a lap around the school? <laughs> yeah. Um, so their storyline concludes with uh, as Summer, as she's going on her breather lap, she encounters what she thinks is Taylor making out with one Dean Hess. It's not what she thinks. It's what it happens. We don't see it, yeah. though. We, we see Taylor. We see Taylor going close to someone. We don't physically see them kissing. She, we see her going close. <laughs> well, and look oh, that's a good it. point. No, that's a good point. No, I know yeah. what you're saying, though. In the show, it is obvious they are making out. But in the way they shot it, we don't actually see them touching lips. Well, in so, the whole next episode is about Seth going, I don't think you really saw what you saw. And Summer's like, I know what you look like after kissing. So that is so kind of either, up for debate. So either she was making out with Hot Dean or she was making out with someone else and Hot Dean was in the room with them. Correct. Mm-hmm. He was being that's, cucked. That's some cruel intention stuff, man. Man. Yeah, it really it was a very cruel intentions moment. So he definitely knows his audience. Um 
I don't know. This whole storyline, though, with Taylor hooking up with Dean Hess, it hits different now than it did in twenty or two thousand five. Obviously. Oh no! It's yeah. You know, it's still it's weird. She's yeah. underage. He's a creep. Gross. Um. So we'll we'll touch on what happens to Julie really quickly. Um. The Repo Man comes to visit Julie, and I said mm. my comment on that was shit. Um. <laughs> Obviously, you know, the, the last episode concluded with uh, Caleb not having any money. Obviously, there's a huge house with a huge mortgage payment. Julie visits Sandy briefly about getting a loan, and Sandy kind of pries and asks Julie how she's doing. And yeah, she, you know, I she, can I just I want to go back to what we said previously because even in the mm-hmm. previous episode when Tate approaches Sandy about getting the will read, and Sandy kind of asks him like, "Is everything okay?" And Tate's like, "Well, I just want to I just want to make sure Julie's happy." And Sandy says something it is sarcastic, but he says something like, "You know, anything to keep Julie happy." And now that he's checking in with her, he's like, how are you doing, Julie? I was like, do we not for- do we not remember that, like, literally two weeks ago, she yeah. tried to get Ryan framed for shooting his brother? I Did they just totally forget it? Is it just, like, TV amnesia? Everything on, in this show, they're like, oh, I forgot that just, like, you know, a week ago, we tried to frame Ryan for murder. Or uh-huh. attempted murder. murder. Yeah. Um, I, and then everyone just happens to pull up right when some, like, right when Marissa's talking to Johnny or right yeah. as she's leaving to go hang out with her new friends. It's just, I mean, so that would like be, I think that would be our me. problem. If we, if any of us ever wrote a show, we would write it in the way that would happen realistically, which means nothing would ever happen on the show. <laughs> yeah. Or that you'd see it on someone's story by accident. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's on Instagram. Um, I kind of love the conversation that Julie has with Marissa when she asks Marissa if she can move in with Summer for a while. Uh, Marissa's like, okay, I'll do it. I trust you. I know that you'll figure it out. And, you know, that really speaks to Julie has always been a scrappy survivor as much as we um, feel like she's spoiled. Um, so I kind of thought this was, aside from when Marissa has to break the news that the dad floated away on his boat, or, yeah, I guess on his boat. <laughs> he floated but, away on um, his boat. He floated his boat. <laughs> Uh, kind of one of the first on, honest conversations that they ever have. And um, I thought it was sweet of Marissa to put that much confidence in Julie uh, finding a way for them to survive. Um, but Julie's storyline ends with her in a shitty motel. And it's actually so sad. Uh, it bothers me just because had she not been such a bitch, she would probably feel a lot more comfortable asking the Coens if she can stay there for a little while or, or well, that's something. that's what it is. Like, if, there's so much like, yeah, when you see her in that moment, it sucks. It's like, oh, I feel bad for Julie. But then you remember all the shit that she's done over the past two and a half years. And you're like, yeah. oh, I don't feel bad for her. She's a bad person. I love Julie as a character. She's incredible. But within the in the canon of the show, it's like, oh, yeah, she's really shitty. It makes it hard to like feel sorry for her. Like, she has to she stay almost in tried hotel. to kill Caleb. Yeah. Did we, did we all Not forget about that? Not put him to sleep like I thought. No, right, she tried to kill him. Yeah, she attempted to attempt. chilly over here. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so the last part of the episode that we need to cover are, is a Sandy and Kirsten storyline, which actually, um, you know, kind of heats up. Um, Kirsten is back, and um, she's wanting to plant some herb gardens and kind of face her fears. And I loved horny Kirsten just getting like, oh, you could use a shower. And it's like, oh, my God, this is goals when I'm in my 40s and 50s. This is what we need. Just hoarding plants and shower boning. Yeah, well, it's right. fun. It's reminiscent of first season Sandy and Kirsten. So I liked that. That's true. Um, but kind of a motif throughout this season is that Kirsten gets really into cooking suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. love to see it. Uh, she goes to Newport, the Newport Bay Yacht Club to meet up with none other than Bad Charlotte. Ooh, mm-hmm. with her white pants. <laughs> it's after um, Labor Day. So before she meets at the Yacht Club, her and Sandy kind of have a conversation about the Newport group. 
Um, Caleb left them with nothing but debt. Um, so Sandy says that they either need a massive overhaul um, or to close it. And Kirsten at first comes out the gate saying, yeah, I think we should close it. Um, she meets up with Charlotte at the Newport Bay Yacht Club. And Charlotte, like, I this scene bothered me. It's just, I mean, I'm sure that they did it for like the non-subtle. I, of course, this this show really came out just as prestige dramas were having a moment. Like, this aired at the same time as The Sopranos, correct? Mm, Sopranos was done by the time this was airing. This season. Dexter. But just nothing in here is subtle. Like, Charlotte's whole con, there's nothing subtle about it. Um, she's like, literally, she sits down immediately and is like, oh, don't you wish that you were still at the lake house? That shitty fucking lake house. And, no, um, by the way, you're right. 2007 was when Sopranos ended. You were correct. Yeah. And Kirsten says something like, oh, I wish everyone could stay there. Like, obviously, she's just being polite. I wouldn't wish that lake house on anyone. Um, but Charlotte's like, oh, haha, well, I've talked to all my investor friends and, you know, how about investing one or two million dollars? Like, no, how no, she, she literally says it in a way, she says this? it in such a flippant way where she's like, oh, it's just a couple, it's just a couple million dollars. And I was like, that's an insane thing to say. That's a crazy thing to say. The vibe that Charlotte and Kirsten give off is like that vibe where you meet a friend at camp and then you try to hang out with that friend once you're not in camp and it just doesn't work anymore. You have no context anymore for being yeah, together. It's like the reason we're together no longer exists. So go away, Charlotte. Bad Charlotte. Um, Bad how Charlotte. on earth does Kirsten not see through this? It's so silly. Like, I think she does a little bit. I think she knows she, that there's an issue. She knows that Charlotte's too attached to her, but I don't think she understands that she's trying to get like conned. Okay. I do think that Kirsten believes that there's an alcoholism issue is the underlying cause of what's happening here. Really? Okay. See, well, I that, have it's like that, that Charlotte couldn't just be on her own. She's afraid she's going to relapse, and now she's like attaching herself to Kirsten. That's what I think Kirsten thinks. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I mean, she really stays in Kirsten's ear, though. That's the only thing is because she seems to be semi-successful in manipulating Kirsten. But what? Okay, but what? She she so she sent her flowers. That's when we had the hot flower guy. Yeah, um, yeah young but Lance. Like, what I didn't understand between these two episodes was that um, Charlotte is clearly being kicked out of that lake house, but Kirsten, I guess, never went back to the lake. Like the timing was just so perfect that. Kirsten never even went back to the lake house after the will reading. She immediately went home and didn't even know that Charlotte's not at the lake house anymore. No, she went to the, after the will reading, she went to that motel and stared at alcohol. Right, but she never, like, talked yeah, to Charlotte about... Yeah, she bags packed? Like, yeah, like, she, she didn't, it just seemed like it was home. too, the timing, again, one of those TV things, the timing was too perfect yeah. that Charlotte just happened to get kicked out and Kirsten never needed to go back at all. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. The other thing I noticed is her name is Charlotte Markham. Like, Mark... Like Kirsten was her oh. mark. Oh, wow. dang. Deep This takes. episode was written by Charles Dickens. This episode was written by Chelsea Trinidad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have a question. You guys have watched the episodes um, quick, uh, like more recently than I have. I finished mine, you know, at two o'clock today and you guys were watching until the very end. <laughs> but she's like talking to some to Sandy and then she's like, oh, I have to go leave and get oregano. Like, what was that about? She was trying to find an excuse to go and quote unquote say goodbye to the Newport group, which in all actuality, I feel like. They made too big a deal about the whole emotional impact of it. Like, based on what happened after the will reading, it is the most, wow. like, responsible thing to do to just shut down the company and mm-hmm. file bankruptcy. I disagree. I'm disagreeing with you guys both a lot today. I, I literally thought 
this is how you do long-term storytelling in a show like this is that Caleb died at the end of season two and it's still an issue. Like she's still like the Newport group closing was more about her coming to terms with her dad's death than it was mm-hmm. the business. Right. And I was like, that's how you do this. Like it's been a month now of her dealing with Caleb's death. Meanwhile, Trey gets shot and immediately is gone and we forget all about it. Right. Like right. I feel like this was the right way to handle these situations is that, Oh, it's been five weeks of real lifetime since he, or it's been, I guess if you go back to the previous season, it's been a long time, but mm. it's like, this is how you, there's still like, illustrate. There's like, there's, yeah. it's still an issue. Like we just talked about how people just okay. move on from things so quickly. I thought this was great. It's clearly she hasn't moved on from it that quickly. She's still an issue for her. And I was like, that's good. That's good storytelling. In my and opinion. I, I think it was more like whenever she was, she, whenever Charlotte was trying to make up all these excuses about how you're just doing this because of your father. I mean, it's like all that, you know, Kirsten would have to say is, no, it makes sense. We're literally being hounded by creditors and the only way out would be to file bankruptcy. That's, that's it. But like for mm-hmm. the emotional stuff, I do, I do agree. And I like the idea of Caleb Nickel, since he was so much a part of that business and just being a business person that even after he dies, kind of that business is like a the husk of their prior relationship that she has to let go of and therefore let go of their prior relationship. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, that's where the closure comes from. Yeah, and, you know, the end of the episode is her just revealing to Sandy that she does have a lot of hesitation, and obviously that kind of opens the door for how Sandy and Kirsten's storyline is going to go the rest of this season. But... I don't know. I'm interested. I'm very interested to see what Charlotte ends up doing. Okay, Charlotte aside, as much shit as we give this season, particularly for the Johnny stuff and the Volchek stuff, the Sandy Kirsten stuff is pretty great this season. I'm really into it. When Sandy yeah. ends up working for the new, becoming the head of the Newport group, and he hires that guy, that young guy, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I um, like that too. Is it Matt? What is yeah, his name? Matt. I think it is Matt. Matt I Ramsey. thought he was a great character. Yeah, yeah, Matt's a great character and this whole Sandy run. That's a good storyline that I enjoy from this season. And also Taylor's in this season, so there is some good stuff here. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's it, This one is very much, you know, in the in the way where the other episodes were kind of closure episodes, this one is launching into new storylines. So I'm excited. Yeah. At this point, if I was a new viewer, I'd be really excited to find out what happens with Casey and Johnny and Chili and... Um, excited to see how Marissa's um, core four friends fit in with this new cast of characters. Um, I, I'm really invested in finding out what Charlotte's up to and how she's going to um, try to wiggle her way in. And it is so creepy. Like in the previous episode, she had that picture of the family portrait. And I remember watching it for the first time thinking that she was going to try to replace Kirsten. So with mm-hmm. her show, I think probably another function of them showing her boyfriend was to show, oh, she's not interested in Sandy. She already has like a yeah. husband, you know, this is this is for mm-hmm. them too, not for her to take over Kirsten's live. Well, we will have to see what happens next week when we get into episodes uh, five and six. Of, I might as well finish the series. Of, might this, as well terrible, of this terrible season of the OC. Um, so yeah, that's it for us this week. Um, two more episodes down. Two more to go. Or two, how many? Wait, 20 more to go or something, right, Dylan? So many. Yeah, Too I think many 20. more to go. But you, uh, if you want to reach out to us, if you agree or disagree with any of our wonderful, perfect takes, you can reach us online at, on Instagram at CoensPod, C-O-H-E-N-S-P-O-D. Please follow us. Uh, or you can send us an email, CoensPod at gmail.com. Dylan, if they want to tell us how much they love us, what else can they do? 
Well, you can get on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. I have a very specific dream, and it's that we are ranked higher than the OC men or whatever that other podcast is of all dudes doing the OC recap. Boy, you're, already, be, you're giving them free publicity. We, we, we want to be better than the, than the OC men. So just please, five-star ratings, five-star hey, reviews. I've listened to them a couple times. They're, I, they do some kind of a uh, fan fiction, so I would think that you would really appreciate their content. Yeah, you, well, seem, you, like know, an, you seem like an O-Seaman guy. I, you know, I'm going to just hop right past that remark and just simply say <laughs> that I would, you know what, no hate, everyone, there's there's plenty of room under this umbrella, but it's okay if we're the best under the umbrella. So please, five-star ratings, five-star reviews, do it for my daughter. We love you. All right. Uh, well, that's it. We will see you next week for the next two episodes of DOC. I can't wait to talk about Taylor Towns and some more guys. Um, anything else, Chelsea? Anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Nope. Perfect. We'll see you next week. Farewell. I Goodbye. Some, I should have so said long. something cuter. My bad. Something cuter. My bad. Bye. Bye.